Amen. Well, I want to just tell you a little bit about me. Um, I grew up on the mission field when I was five years old. My family and I, we relocated to the Dominican Republic from Cleveland, Ohio, and I spent most of my adolescence there until I was a teenager. I came back to the United States. And contrary to popular belief, even though I look like a white boy, I'm not. <laughs> Nobody believes me until I start speaking Spanish. Tenemos algunos hermanos hispanos aquí en la casa hoy que me entienden. Okay, we don't have any Hispanics, but I wanted to prove to I wanted to prove to everybody that was looking at me and didn't believe it. I'm actually Hispanic. Um, I should say I'm three quarters Hispanic. I have one quarter Irish, but that Irish gene must have been really strong because it came out in full force. If you look at the rest of my family, you know they 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 all have dark hair, brown eyes, but it's okay. It's okay. God has given me the versatility to be able to minister to all people, so it's a good thing. But um, I grew up on the mission field, and, and even before that, you know, I was a pastor's kid, so I grew up in this. This is what I've, I've always been in. Um, but how many know sometimes when you say pastor's kid, you, you have this interpretation of a little angel that just floats around and, you know, can do no wrong. And, you know, after service, he gets beamed back up to heaven with his parents. That's not at all how I was. So I just want to clarify, if you're praying for your young uh, children, there's hope because there was hope for me. I was not a good kid. By the time I had been so sheltered as a kid, when I got back to the United States and went to high school, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother time. But um, I'm living here now. I have a beautiful wife, two children, and one on the way any day now. As a matter of fact, Pastor, she was having contractions last night, so I almost had to text you and say, hey, be on standby. But then she was feeling better, so I think we're in the clear unless I get a call and I have to take off running. And then Keyshawn, who's traveling with me this morning, he's going to come up and take over for me. He doesn't know that yet, but now get, give Keyshawn a hand, everybody. This is my brother right here who comes with me everywhere I go. He's, he's an incredible blessing to us, to our family. I consider him to be family. But I want to jump right into the word uh, this morning. Like I said, when, when I heard that song, You Have No Rival, You Have No Equal, I want to talk to you this morning about the purpose of the power. Because how many know we have access to power? Amen. If we don't, we might as well just stop all of this and go home or go eat something. Because I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be part of just an organization that doesn't have power. Because then this is just a social gathering. It's a social club. If, if we don't believe that the power that was at work in biblical days is still alive and at work today then everything that we're doing here is pointless. I want to serve a God who's alive. I want to serve a God who's moving in power. And over the course of the years in the Dominican Republic, as we watched things unfold, we saw the undeniable, undisputable power of God again and again and again and again in our lives. And see, that's the thing that I love about personal testimony and personal experience. We can debate, we can argue, we can talk about Scripture all day long and what it really meant in the original context, and that's how denominations are formed because some believe in this doctrine, other, but you can't argue with somebody about their personal experiences. Just like these women were talking about this morning, what God did in their lives, there's a sincerity, and in that, there's power. As they were delivering their testimonies, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says it. You'll overcome by the blood of the Lamb, and what? The word of your testimony. So there's power in the delivery of these testimonies, and so I want to share some of these testimonies and things to encourage your faith. Because as I start speaking these testimonies, it encourages you in whatever situation you're going through to believe that there is power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 4, 14 through 20. It says, I do not write these things to you to shame you. But as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. 
This man right here on the front row is a father. I don't even know your pastor that well. We've, we've engaged, we've talked, we've had some good times together, but I, I don't really know him deeply other than what I perceive in the spirit. And I know from what I perceive in the spirit that this man is a father. Am I right? Is this man a father to this house? Yeah. I can feel that. I can sense that. You don't have many fathers. This is the apostle Paul talking as a father. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but what? The power. The power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. We are serving the king of kings. Amen. In his kingdom. That means we have access to what? Power. Acts 1, 4 through 8 says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit in not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive what? Power. Power. And this is my dispute to people who say, oh, those miracles and all those things that happened, that was just for biblical days. That was for 2,000 years ago. Now, that's not what the Bible says right here. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. How many have the Holy Spirit in this room this morning? Amen. That means you have power. And you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. So before I give you the purpose of the power, because that's the title of my message, I want to talk to you about what types of power we have access to as Christ followers for a few minutes here. John 14, 12 through 18 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I do not go to my fa- because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray that the Father... I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. How many are grateful for the helper that abides with us? The spirit of truth, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. I just want to pause there because I hadn't even seen it like the Holy Spirit is bringing that out to me. You know, there's a reason why the world can't receive the church. Have you noticed that? Like if you look at all of the large corporations that dominate the world, every advertisement that you see out there, there's, there's a homosexual couple, right? Always on every commercial now. You can't see any commercial promoting anything without a homosexual. Why? Because that's accepted. That's celebrated. You even see Muslims. That's the ironic thing about it, right? You see women with their headdresses. You see. So it seems like every other organization, every other people group, every other even religion is being accepted and advertised. Why not the church? Why is it that the world cannot accept it? Well, it says right here, because the world can't accept the truth. If they could, they'd be free because the word says you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. The spirit of truth. And that is the differentiator between churches that are trying to cater to the culture and churches that truly have a move of God right now. 
the churches that are looking at what the mainstream media is professing and trying to accommodate a message that is not offensive and a message that caters and tickles the ears of people, those are the churches that are not seeing the power of God. Why? Because the spirit of truth the comforter, the Holy Spirit that is active inside of our lives, that gives us the power we need to overcome, is not at work in these churches. We have to be careful. Am I condemning? No, I'm not condemning anyone. I'm saying be vigilant. Be vigilant because the Word of God also says in the end times, if possible, even the elect will be deceived. Who is the elect? The elect are those who are sitting in this room right now. The elect are the pastors and ministers that are preaching the word of God. There is a spirit of deception that will be released in the end times that will deceive even the elect. So the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it, has, it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So that spirit of truth is where the power comes from. What, what kind of power? Number one, the power to heal the sick. I don't believe for one moment, I know this is controversial, that healings only took place in biblical days. Why do I not believe that? Because I've experienced it in my life. Again, we can debate these things, but, but what can you say to somebody who says, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the doctor said this, but God healed me. And I've had so many testimonies. I believe that you have access to whatever you choose to have faith in. If you have faith in the word of God, God's going to give you according to your faith. If you believe that it was for back then, God's going to give you according to your faith. But I can give you testimony after testimony after. I'm going to give you one right off the top of my head. My young niece, she was the first niece, my parents' first grandchild. And she was born with an interstitial lung disease where the doctor said that she would never be able to breathe by herself. She spent months in the, in the ICU when my sister and brother-in-law, they were there. They had to drop everything. He had, he had to quit his job. It was, it was, it was a, an incredible trial for our family. And now I'm used to seeing the power at work. So we said, okay, we're going to believe and we're going to pray and we're going to believe that God's going to heal her. She's going to be out of there in a week, max. And so we began praying along those lines. Well, a week came and went. A month went by. Two months went by, six months went by, and the little precious baby is hooked up to all these machines. She had a, a tube in her intestines where they were feeding her because she couldn't eat. She had all these uh, breathing apparatus, all these different things that she had to have. And the doctor said, you, you need to get used to this because she's never going to be able to eat on her own. She'll always have the feeding tube. She'll never be able to breathe on her own. She's always going to have this machine to give her oxygen. And I could give you all the many details, but we chose to believe that the word of God is alive and active. And we stood on his word and continued to profess and continued to declare and continued to prophesy that our baby girl was not going to have to have those machines. They said she won't be able to speak like other kids. She won't be able to develop because the oxygen is not getting to her brain. She's five years old now. And for the last four years, she hasn't had any feeding tube, no oxygen. She's ahead of most kids scholastically, you know, so, so those are the things that I look at when the doctor said, there's no way get used to it, but God, amen. We serve a living God. And I can't tell you the number of times when we were on the mission field that we were faced with hardship where they said, there's no way. And we had to believe in God because we didn't have health insurance. Let me give you a little background as to where I lived. I lived in a, in a house that was really just a room. If you cut this sanctuary in half, this side of the room from here over. And we all lived in there, all six of us. And we had a little tin roof on this house on the mission field. When people say, people hear me say, I lived in the Dominican Republic. Oh, so you lived at a resort? 
No, no, I lived on the border with Haiti. We lived like the natives. We didn't have running water inside the house. We had to go outside the house. We had running water for two to three hours outside. Six o'clock in the morning, we're filling up buckets so that we could have water for the rest of the day. We experienced some hard things, some difficult things, but God brought us through. We had to rely on God. There were times where we would go to the hospital and there was not even a doctor on site. <laughs> and they had to go get the doctor from another village to bring them over and they didn't have the medication that we so you almost just didn't even go to the hospital. Because if you could imagine like a really, really, really bad veterinary clinic, that's how the hospitals were there for the people. So we would go to people that you know we knew that had medical uh, um, nurses and people like that that we knew personally that we would go to their houses. So we had to rely on God and as a result of the dependent someone asked me the other day, why don't we see miracles like we used to? And I said, because we don't need them like we used to. There was such a demand on the anointing and the power of God in biblical days. But now if we get sick, we just go to patient first. And I'm not knocking that by any means. I have health insurance and I use it. But there was such a demand on the power of God in these days because you had to have it. And that's why I love traveling. That's why I love going back to the Dominican Republic where I grew up. I love going over to Africa. I've been to Africa many times. And there's just this, when you step into a church in these countries, there's such a hunger for God. Because there's a hunger in the natural too. Some of these people walk 10 miles to get to a service when they know the Spirit of God is going to be there. And so there's, there's more of a demand on the power, the, a demand. On, and like, like with, my, with my niece, there was a demand. It was either we prayed and we believed and we declared or she was going to die. That's what the doctors were telling us. She wasn't going to live a long life. My mother was in a hospital one time. And she was dying. She had no pulse. This was over there in the Dominican Republic. No pulse whatsoever. Earlier that day... There was a witch doctor who came by our house. Now, this is where I'm going to get into a little bit of this here soon. I'm going to try and keep it short, Pastor, but there's some things that I feel like I need to share. I've got like three hours anyway, right? That's what the power says. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going to keep it short. But there, there was a witch doctor that was walking in front of our house when I was a kid, and she was stabbing this doll, and my mother's name was Rebecca, and she was saying, may Rebecca die. May Rebecca die. And we live in this sheltered Western culture. You know, I was born here, so I'm just saying we, but I got out of this bubble and went and saw what the rest of the world lives like. And we, we tend to think that these things that we hear about are just in the movies. That's why I can't really get down with Harry Potter and the, you know, these, these, I, I just, I'm not condemning anyone. I'm not pointing any fingers. I know the kids think it's cute. We don't celebrate Halloween in my house. And when I start telling you some of these stories, you're going to understand my perspective. It's like these veterans that go over and they see warfare and they see battle and they come back and they cannot assimilate back into the things that we who have not seen those things and experience those things. We just, oh, you know, so, so there's a perspective change when you go and you see what's really going on in the spirit realm. And so we don't celebrate Halloween. We don't do any of that because we had to actual, actually deal with real witches, not Harry Potter witches. <laughs> not fun little characters flying around on brooms. We had to deal with, with workers of darkness, people who would, who would do human sacrifices to get more power. Like this is real life. This is what the rest of the world deals with. And, and I remember this witch was stabbing this doll, saying, may Rebecca die, pacing in front of our house. I went and I was a little kid. I ran and told my dad, dad, there's a woman out there dressed in black, and she's, she's piercing this doll, saying, may Rebecca die, may Rebecca die. 
And he said, oh, she's crazy. Don't listen to her. It's okay. That night, Rebecca was dying. My mom, we had to take her to the hospital. She had no color whatsoever. She, was, she couldn't even get out of the bed. We literally carried her to the hospital, laid her down on the bed, and the doctors are hooking her up to whatever kind of machines they had, trying to get a pulse. We have no pulse. We have no pulse. That's a scary feeling when there's no medical reason why this is happening. And, and, and the Holy Spirit prompted me even as a child. I said, Dad, do you remember what that woman was saying earlier today in front of our house? And he realized it was a spiritual attack, and, and he said, Lord, forgive me, number one, for not counteracting that attack with the power that you've given us. And so he put his hand on her head, and he said, in the name of Jesus, I cancel every curse. I cancel every assignment of darkness. I speak life over my wife. And can I tell you, less, less than an hour later, she stood up out of that bed and walked home. We walked home. And the next day, she was out there washing clothes from no pulse whatsoever laying their lifeless to washing clothes. We can either choose to believe that there's really power in the name of Jesus, or we can continue to walk through the motions. And I can't keep silent about these things. I believe God sent me over there when I was five years old and brought me back to this country so that I would sound the alarm to tell you that we're living in a battle. We're living in a warfare. This is not a game. We have a short period of time on this earth to do what God has called us to do. And I want to tell you, it's a lot easier to do what God has called us to do operating under this power that I'm talking about. Amen. So he's given us the power of healing. John 4, 46 through 53 says, so Jesus came again to gain to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water into wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went out to him and implored to him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Therefore, Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. That's the same power that I just described to you at work in today's day and age. We read a story like that and we think, well, Jesus did it. We can't do it. My dad did it. He said, no, I speak life. I speak life into my wife. I cancel the plans of darkness. I, I break every curse. We have the same authority if we would just access it. Jesus didn't go. He said, just go your way. Your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. And as he was go now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. That's the power we have access to. Amen. Yeah. Second power that I want to highlight to you is the power to cast out demons. Wait, you mean demons exist? Wasn't that just for biblical times? Right? These movies that, that, that are so popular in the mainstream media, these horror movies and the exorcism, where do you think the basis for those plots comes from? When you're, seeing, when you're seeing all of these things with the demons and, and possessing people, you think that that's just some good writer in Hollywood that comes up with that? No, that is, first of all, based in Scripture. Let me read you a story to, to confirm that. Luke 31, 37 says, Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue, there were two men who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he, cried, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. 
What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know you're the Holy One of God, but Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And then the demon, when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What, what a word this is. For the authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report of him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Now, I want to highlight something from that passage. Where was the demon-possessed man? He was in the synagogue. He was in the modern-day church. So this idea that, that, that the devil doesn't come to church and that when you step foot in here, all the demons have to leave, that's not accurate. The devil is brazen. The devil comes to church. In fact, the devil is controlling a lot of churches. He was in the church when Jesus cast him out. I was ministering in a church in the Dominican Republic, and I, I did an altar call, and I'm going to make this story short. A young lady comes up. She was about 18 years old. I'm praying for some people, and she starts laughing right here. And it wasn't like a joy of the Holy Spirit laughter. It was very eerie laughter. And then all of a sudden, she switched and started crying. And you look at that and say, oh, split personality, schizophrenia, something. She starts crying immediately. Then she switched back to laughing. And so we identified that there was a demon inside of this young lady that had possessed her. And the pastors came up and they started laying hands on her. Well, the demon manifested and started screaming. Now, look at how Jesus handled that situation. The Bible doesn't say that he grabbed holy water and said, come out, and started screaming and yelling. Just simply with authority. When you operate in the authority of God, and the power of the Spirit, you don't have to scream. You don't have to yell. All you have to do is just say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. That's why I don't watch these movies, because they could be over like that. When the demon starts manifesting, all you got to say is, in the name of Jesus, I command you, number one, be quiet, because you're not going to make disorder in the house of God. And so I laid my hand on her, and I said, you have to come out of this young lady. And the demon spoke back to me in a deep voice. said, I'm not coming out of her. I've been living in her since she was a little girl. And, you know, we think, oh, well, children can't be demon-possessed. Well, that's not biblical. What about the little boy who was often cast into the fire and into the water because the spirit that possessed him would try and kill him? Children can absolutely. And, and when a child becomes demon-possessed, it is not the responsibility of the child. It's the caretaker. And that's what had happened in this particular situation. That spirit spoke back to me, and boy, I felt two hands grab my stomach, and I took my hand off her head. I felt like claws grab my stomach, physically, not metaphorically. I felt someone, and I thought it was the young lady who had grabbed my stomach. And I took my hands off. I'm like, oh, oh I'm not doing this. <laughs> I didn't sign up for all this now. I was a young man back then. I was still working on the authority piece. And I had just preached about David and Goliath. And having the faith to defeat the giant. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me so subtly. Are you going to... Live what you just preached, or was it all hype? And when he spoke that to me, I, I, I put my hand back on her head, and I said, I'm not speaking to you in the name of David. I'm speaking to you in the name of Jesus Christ who died for this young lady. And in that name, I command you to leave her now. And that spirit threw her down on the ground, and she screamed, and the spirit came out of her. And she came up to me afterwards, and she said, you know, every time I would go into a church facility before... I would just go into a trance. I would, I would doze off, almost like I was asleep, but I was awake since I was a little girl. 
And I thought that was normal. And then once the service was over, I'd come back too. And I'm saying hello to all everybody. And we're having a good time. We would go eat. And, and she said, I never knew what that was. I said, who's this lady next to you? She said, this is my grandmother. I said, you took her to a witch doctor, didn't you? Because this is tradition down there. You take the young people to the witch doctor when they're babies, and the witch doctor blesses them, right? And it's so twisted because they mix the whole thing with Catholicism, and, and they give, you know, they, they worship the saints, which is really just idolatry. And so they, they, they think that the, the saint is possessing them when really it's actually a demon spirit because the saints aren't alive anymore. You and I are the saints. When we die, we're dead. <laughs> Our spirits live on, but we're not communicating with anyone here on this earth. So don't be, don't be confused into thinking, oh, my mom is talking. I know she's sending me messages from the other side. She ain't sending you messages. You may be getting messages, but they're not from her. I hate to break it to you. So you got to know these things. You got to know these things. I have, I have so many stories. Like just as I was talking about that, I, got, I remembered another story. But let me finish this one. So I told the grandmother, I said, so, so what did they give her when, when you guys went and saw the witch doctor? Well, they gave her this little bracelet. She put it around her. her she's had it since she, I said, that bracelet right there? Get some, somebody get some scissors and cut this off. No, 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 you can't cut. This. She's had this since she was a baby. And I said, that's the problem. Somebody come cut this thing off. This girl is set free. And so they came and cut it off. We threw it away. And, and that was the end of it. But I'm here to tell you this morning, we are living in a spirit realm. The Bible says we are in this world, but not of this world. The problem is the devil has gotten really good at making us fall asleep here in the United States. We don't see those things. Again, because there's not such a demand. There's not. See, the, the, when people are desperate, they're going to cling to something. They need the power. And there is such thing as a dark power. It's not just the power of light and the power of God. How about in the Bible when, when the Bible says that, 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 that Moses cast his, his uh, rod down and it became a serpent? And the Bible says he did other signs and wonders. But then the Bible also says that the Pharaoh's magicians came and did the same. Where do you think that power came from? It wasn't Yahweh. It wasn't Jehovah. I can tell you that much. There is a counterfeit power that is at work ruling in this world. And we have to understand that. We have access to the greater power. But there is still an enemy of your soul who's doing everything he can to destroy you. That's why I, I don't play games. This is not something where we can be one foot in and one foot out. We have to be completely in or completely out. <gasps> Pastor said get completely out. Yes. Yes. I'd rather you get completely out than be halfway in or halfway out. Because what does the Bible say about somebody who is lukewarm? There's more hope for you to come back to the light if you're completely gone. But if you're playing church, which is somewhere where I lived for years as a pastor's child, there's a greater danger for you. Because you know the truth, but you choose not to do it. Are you hearing me this morning? So if you're in this room, odds are you know the truth. And as you hear the truth coming out of my mouth, the Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give unto you what? Power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing. And so I hold on to that word when I go into a difficult situation, when, when I'm facing hardship. We've, we've got to grab a hold of what the Bible actually says and believe it. 
Because it's one thing to quote it and put it on our mantle and have the little crucifix. But it's another thing to live in it and, and believe it and operate in it. And I made that decision a few years ago. Hey, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it believing that it's real. Because you can be in church your whole life and not believe that God's really got power. You can be in church your whole life and go through the motions and hear what the pastor says and lift up your hands and have a great emotional experience and say, amen, hallelujah. And then you go home and you're still addicted and you're still bound and you're still doing all the things that you were doing before you came into the service. That's not real power. You have real power. The only way I can stand up here with authority and preach the word of God is because I know who I am and I know that there isn't anything in my closet that if you were to see it, it would discredit me. Now we're talking about integrity. Now we're talking about transparency. Now we're talking about holiness and authenticity. You can't be holy and you can't operate with the power of the Holy Spirit when you've got these things that you're trying to suppress in the background and you don't want anybody to know about it. You may get by and you may have the grace of God on your life, but I don't want just the grace of God. I want the favor of God. I want the power of God. And see, grace is enough to get you by. I thank God for his grace because there were years where it was his grace that caused me to survive. When I'd be driving around drunk on my motorcycle, laid it down under a Mercedes, man, I could have died. There was a car right behind me. I, oh, man, I have so many stories. I wish I had more time. It was the grace of God that kept me. There was an angel on the back of that thing going 90 miles an hour with me that said, I know he's stupid, devil, but it's not his time yet. Because he's supposed to go to Gateway Church on what's today? May what? May 22nd. He's supposed to give somebody a word about power. And there's somebody in that building that needs to know that there really is a God who has power. That despite what you're going through, there really is a solution and his name is Jesus. And so the grace of God gets us by when we don't deserve the favor. But when we operate and live a life of purity and authenticity and transparency and we finally stop having the emotional fling that we should have cut off a long time ago with somebody that we're not even supposed to be messing around with and we close the laptop and we stop watching things that we shouldn't be watching and we let go of the greed and we let go of the pride and we let go of the gossip, then we are able to step into what is called the power of Almighty God. Then is when we start seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. Then is when we can declare and say no my my mother will not die she will get up out of this bed why because we speak with authority we speak with power we know that when the words come out of our mouth demons in hell begin to tremble why not because of me not because of anything i've done not because i went to seminary not because i didn't go to seminary by the way don't think that because you don't have the schooling you're disqualified from being used by god God can use anybody. If God can use a donkey, how many know he can use me? Are you hearing me this morning? So you can step into another dimension of power, and that's what God wants me to communicate to you today. You're not stuck in your situation. There is a way out, and it's called the power of Jesus Christ. He's given us access to the power of provision, Luke 5, 1 through 11. So it was as the multitudes pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by Lake Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lakes. But the fishermen had gone from them. I'm getting ready to close. The fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked to him to push out a little from the land. 
and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered to him and said, Master, we have toiled all night long. How many feel like you've been toiling all night long? How many feel like you've been digging all night long? That was my message I preached at Lysource last Sunday. I was going to preach that this morning, but the Holy Spirit redirected me. But there are people in this building right now and under the sound of my voice, and you feel like you've just been working, man. You're tired. You're exhausted. You've been pushing. Even though that you haven't felt like you had the power, you haven't felt like you had what it takes, you've been pushing, and God has got something for you to refresh you this morning. I believe that. And he sat down and taught the multitudes. He says, let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered to him and said, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, somebody say, nevertheless, at your word. At your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat and said, come help. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. God wants to give you a boat sinking provision. God wants to give you so much that you don't even know what to do. You've got to get other people in on it because the blessing that God has for you is not just for you. It's for those around you. It's for your family members. It's for the people who have been looking to you for a solution. Did you know that there are people watching you? There are people looking to see how you're going to react to certain situations. There are people who are looking at your testimony to see if you really serve a real God or not. They want to see how this situation is going to play out. So you see, you need the power of God in your situation for more people than just you. You need it for those who are watching you. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on his knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were also James, John, and the son of Zebedee who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats into land, they forsook all and followed him. Oh, man. Wow. God wants to do a forsake all miracle in your life. Something so massive, something so profound, something so deep in your life that when it happens, you'll have no other choice but to forsake everything else. And finally, obey the calling. Finally, obey the tugging. Yeah, God's moving in this place. The power of God is moving in this place. This is a beautiful moment. Nobody looking around. God, God's doing this. This is the power that I'm talking about. God's touching your heart right now, but there's somebody in this place and you've been praying and asking God, God, if you're even up there, please. And God sent me here to speak to you this morning. God didn't let me die on that motorcycle crash. He sent me here to tell you he's going to do a miracle in your life that when it happens, you're going to have to let go of everything else. Those things that have held you back. Because he wants to give you real power. He wants to give you real authority. And he's in this place this morning. And as I close, I want to tell you one more story about a little boy who before he was born, 
his mother was told by the doctor to abort him. And the doctor said, we've done some studies, we've done some tests, and we've realized that the, the fetus is not functioning like he should be. He's not able to, to have the reactive movements that he should be having at this stage. She was eight months pregnant. And they say, we suggest that you abort this child because he is going to be a burden to you and your husband and your family. He's going to be mentally ill. He won't ever be able to walk and talk like the other kids based on our findings, based on our studies. And this woman had a choice to make. Well, it's going to be inconvenient to have this baby. So maybe, maybe it, what's the best option here? And thankfully, she had a God-fearing husband who she called on the phone at that time and said, they're saying we need to abort our little baby boy. And at that time, there was a song that was really famous that said, whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. And that's what he said to this young lady. He said, are we going to believe the report of the doctor? Are we going to believe the report of the enemy? Are we going to believe the report of the one who's trying to tell? Are we going to believe the report of the Lord? And so she went back to the doctor and she said, I'm sorry, I can't abort my baby. He said, you're crazy. How dare you? You you really want that on your life? You want it? And guess what else? You're not even going to notice the, the, the problems that this baby has until he starts reaching 18 months old. That's when you're going to really start noticing all the deficiencies. So now look at how the enemy does. When God gives you a word, the enemy's going to come and try and twist. So now it's not just a step of faith until the baby's born. Now she has 18 months of believing God. Like my niece, where we had to believe God months and months and months, years. She had 18 months of believing God. My son, he's called of the Lord. And I'm here to tell you this morning that that little fetus, that little baby boy that was in the womb of that woman is standing right here speaking to you. Even though they said I wouldn't be able to speak, walking back and forth, pacing, even though they said I wouldn't be able to walk. If God did it for my mother, God can do it for you. I don't care what your situation is. You know, there's some preachers that stay away and they shy away from certain things. I don't do that. Because if God could literally resurrect my mother, if God could, could cause me to be completely normal, even though the test showed that I, well, partially normal, I'm almost normal. But if God could do the work inside of me, I can't sit here and say that your situation is too difficult for God. So I want everybody to stand on your feet this morning. We're going to have a time of ministry as we close. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're dealing with. But God is in this place to meet every need. Not by my words, not by, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that spirit of truth that I just talked to you a moment ago. That spirit that, 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 that raised Christ from the dead is here in this building right now. If you have a need, I don't know, I don't know what you're dealing with. I want you to just come down and I'm going to pray for you. And I don't, I don't even need to know what it is. I'm just going to lay my hand on you and I'm going to unite my faith with yours. I don't have any kind of secret magical potion. It's nothing like that. I have the same Holy Spirit that you have inside of you. But maybe I've just chosen to believe that he's able to do what he says he could do. So I'm going to unite my faith with yours because the Bible says that as the woman with the issue of blood pressed in upon the crowd and, and she was trying everything she could just to touch the hem of his garment, the Bible says that Jesus said, daughter, what your faith has made you whole. 
And so you've got to get to that place. Matter of fact, don't even come down here until you get to that place where you believe, where your faith is there. To say, maybe, maybe God, if you did it for him, if you did it for his mom, maybe, just maybe, maybe your prayer this morning is, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's okay, too. There have been times where I've been... Even, even as a pastor, even as a minister, I've had to just sit down and say, God, help my unbelief. I know what I should believe. I know what I should declare. I know what I should profess. But help me. So if you're here in this moment and you would say, I just, I need a breakthrough. I need a miracle. I need God to do something in my life. I need provision. Maybe you've been plagued with depression like our, our sister who testified. Whatever it is, God is in this place to give you a miracle this morning. Come Holy Spirit, I can't do it. I get out of the way in this moment and allow you Holy Spirit to flow in this place. I allow your power to flow in this place right now. Right now as people come and as I lay my hands on them, I believe God that there is going to be a point of contact that as our faith is united, heaven will begin touching earth in this place. God, that's the prophetic name of this house. The place where, where heaven touches earth. My God. So Father, we need heaven to touch earth right now. We need heaven to touch every situation right now. We need heaven to touch the circumstances right now. We need heaven to touch your people right now. So Father, as I lay my hand on your people, I believe, oh God, that heaven is touching earth right now. Right now, power of the Holy Spirit flow flow right now Lord let me be your conduit God nothing in me there's nothing in me it's you Holy Spirit only you can do the work so right now flow Holy Spirit let the gifting of communication yeah yeah the gifting of communication oh yeah God's gonna put you in the midst of some people not church people by the way not church people by the way God's opening the door for you to win the lost it's bigger than what happens inside of these four walls God is going to put you in front of people and he's going to give you the words in those moments and people will be saved and it will be the power of God that flows through you that will draw people unto God